wonderful to gather together. Why don't we, uh, if you've got your Bibles, why don't you open them? It's going to be in the book of Acts. We'll be there for a little while. We're in Acts uh, chapter 2. And uh, we're going to read from the scriptures together. This is, before we read this, just bear in mind, this is a description of the first ever church. And this is also a moment in history where every single believer in the whole world was part of the same church. I wonder what it was like. Let's... Uh, Read together, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And they, that's the believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple, together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the word of God. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray you would speak to us now. I pray you would help us to have ears to hear what you want to say, what your spirit is saying through the scriptures to your church this morning. I pray you change us, transform us, help us to delight in Jesus more because of the power of your word amongst us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So four healthy habits of a four habits of a healthy church. I wonder what you think of when you think of the idea of healthy habits. You might think of things like New Year's resolutions, deciding to start doing new habits, building new disciplines. You might think, well, maybe I'm going to go to the gym a few times a week or I'm going to learn to put my phone in upstairs and have dinner with my family in the evening rather than just sitting there at the table looking at the phone. Or you might decide, well, maybe I'm going to start by just showering maybe once every few weeks. That will be a bit of a start. We might think of those kind of things. We think of habits and disciplines. And this is what Luke's talking about here. He's talking about habits, things that the first Christians made a habit of. Things that the first Christians devoted themselves to. It's what it says. Verse 42 is a bit of a summary. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. There are four things in this verse that it says they devoted themselves to, they gave themselves to. If you're devoted to something, it means you do it all the time. If anyone's a devoted runner, I don't know if anyone is a devoted runner here, you're unlikely to go running once a month you're probably going to be going running multiple times a week. And that's what it means to be devoted to something. So the earliest Christians gave themselves regularly to these four things, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. Or maybe if you want to phrase it a slightly different way, it might make it a bit more memorable to some of us. We could say a healthy church learns together, a healthy church shares together, a healthy church eats together, and a healthy church prays together. We're going to look at those different habits together. We're going to spend more time on some than the others. Uh, don't worry if I spend a long time on one because that's what I've chosen to do or perhaps the Holy Spirit is guiding me uh, that way. But I imagine all of us want to live healthy lives spiritually. I imagine no one here would want to say, you know what, I just want my spiritual walk to be rubbish. I want to be part of a church that's just not got any kind of spiritual vitality whatsoever. I imagine all of us here want to live healthy spiritual lives. So let's look to the Word of God and let's look at what it can teach us and um, before we jump into those particular practices, just notice in verse 46, these different habits are things that they did in lots of different settings. 
So it's not like, oh, they did some habits in a big setting and some habits in a smaller setting. It seems like these were the kind of things they just gave themselves to in lots of different settings. It says, verse 46, I think Wouter read this out earlier. Day by day, attending the temple together, big, and breaking bread in their homes, small, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. And we do big, in a sense, gathered all together on Sundays. We do small as well. Life groups, one-on-one, general relationships with one another. And we want to make sure that these kind of habits are part of the way that we are in any kind of setting. So let's look at them. Let's see if you can remember the, uh, the, those four habits. So the first we're going to look at is the healthy church learns together. You say learn. learn. Good. It's good to hear some voices. A healthy church learns together. Verse 42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They they were desperate to hear what the apostles, Jesus' closest followers, had to say about Jesus. Imagine that. You're sitting around James and John and Peter, and they're saying, have you heard the time that Jesus fed 5,000 people with just a few loaves and a bit of fish? Oh my goodness, tell us, tell us about it. Have you heard the time Jesus taught this? Have you understood that this Old Testament passage points to Jesus? Imagine being in that setting. And they couldn't get enough of it. They gave themselves, they made a habit of listening to what the apostles had to teach to them. And so we might think, okay, well, how, how on earth does that work for us? As last time I looked, Peter, James, and John are not here anymore. But we do have the teaching of the apostles. Because the apostles, what they taught is recorded in the New Testament. And the Old Testament, essentially, is what they would have explained. They would have explained from the Old Testament. They'd have taught about Jesus. And so you could say a church that is committed, devoted to the apostles' teaching, a church that, is, uh, that learns together is a church that is committed and devoted to Scripture. It says we want to we wanna devote ourselves to this book. We want to devote ourselves to learning and putting into practice what this book says, which is why we preach on Sundays. It's not just a nice time filler. It's not like, well, to be honest, dragging out the worship for another 20 minutes might have been a little bit too much. Uh, let's fill it in with something else. No, 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 no. We do this because we want to be devoted to Scripture. We want to be devoted to the Apostles' teaching. Jesus said, well, he's quoting the Old Testament, but he agrees with it, obviously. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's an amazing statement. Man shall not live by bread alone. In other words, you can't survive off of just food and drink. You need the word of God. And in context, Jesus is speaking of scripture. We don't truly live unless we're feeding on the word, which is why what we're currently doing is so important. But I want to encourage and challenge us just in the same way that if you only ate one meal on a Sunday morning every week, any doctors in the room would have some major concerns for your health. If the only diet of scripture that we get is 20, 30 minutes on a Sunday morning, we're gonna, we're gonna shrivel spiritually. Can I encourage us, can I challenge us? Let's, let's devote ourselves to learning from the scriptures. Let's, that might be in life groups. That's one of the reasons we encourage Bible studies in life groups is that we love to devote ourselves to the scriptures. Can I encourage you? If you're part of a life group and you're doing Bible studies, give yourself to it. It's, it can be really easy, I've, I've found it really easy in Bible study settings to think, what's the right answer to the question I've just been asked? And that kind of becomes the all-consuming thing. You're like, oh, the Bible study leaders asked me a question. What's the right answer? Can I encourage us? Let's be asking, what do the scriptures say? As you're reading the passage, when you're reading it together in your, in your groups, 
ask questions. I, I love that about our life group when we do Bible studies. People are going, what about this verse? How does that work with that? Oh, does that remind you of another passage? Because we're digging into the scriptures. We're learning. We're looking to commit ourselves because we're saying, if this is God's word, I want to feed myself on it. It might be your own personal Bible reading. I have to confess this is something that kind of goes up and down in my, in, in my life. And what I notice is the moments where my personal, regular Bible reading isn't, isn't there is very often the moments where I lack joy, where I feel like I lack a strength of relationship with God. And I felt like that this week. We're on the holiday and inevitably, what you find when you're on a holiday, it's off rhythms and routines go out. And you just notice after a few days, you go, oh gosh, I'm feeling flat. I'm feeling like joy is gone. I'm thinking, I need, <laughs> I'm not devoting myself to the apostles' teaching. No wonder it's going to take its toll. So let's give ourselves to that. Why don't, if, why don't you look to, why don't you give yourself the challenge? Reading scripture every day, whether that's five minutes, whether you've got an hour, whether you want to, but to regularly be looking to read the scriptures, reading it in groups, engaging on Sundays when we're preaching. But we're not just going to be committed to learning in the kind of, right, let's fill our minds with loads of information. Committing ourselves to the apostles' teaching and to scripture means that we're saying, I'm going to put this into practice. I'm going to learn to apply this to my life. I'm going to learn to obey it. Jesus uses an illustration in, um, in his teaching. He says that those who hear my words and do it are like someone who builds a house on a rock. There's a foundation that's strong. You can build a house on rock. So those who hear my, hear my words and don't do it are like those who build their house on the sand. Actually, when the troubles of life come, if we're not putting into practice what the scriptures are teaching, the li- our life's just going to end up getting s- swept away. And I've, I've experienced this regularly, but I experienced this recently when I was, I was walking around the park, pushing Aura around um, on one of the many days where Aura was ill and couldn't go to nursery, so kind of having to figure out how to juggle work and so on. And just had worries going through my mind about various practical things. And just had the scriptures pop into my mind, Jesus saying, do, therefore I tell you, Do not worry about what you will eat or drink or wear, for your father knows about all of these things. Or Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I knew the scriptures. I knew them. They were in my mind. But the question was, was I going to trust God at his word? Was I going to choose in that moment to say, I'm going to trust that I'm going to fix my mind on God in this circumstance and not on the cares and worries of life, that I'm going to turn this into prayer and it's a, a moment of trust. Now, that might seem like a trivial thing, but it also goes in the big things of life as well. And so there's a, a challenge for us there. Are we going to devote ourselves to learning from the scriptures and applying it? And it may be that for some of us, there's a, an area where we're aware of what the Bible teaches, but it might feel too painful. It might be the area of forgiveness, that there's someone that you think, they have wronged me so badly. I know the Bible teaches that encourages us to forgive I don't know if I can bring myself to do that and in that moment there's a decision to make of saying if this is the word of God and if I trust that God has my best interest at heart am I going to put into practice what the word says or am I not it's an issue of trust and every time I choose to obey what scripture says I'm trusting God every time I choose not to obey it it's basically saying I'm not sure I trust you on this God so we want to be a church that is devoted to that that's the first 
habits of a healthy church that's highlighted. Don't worry, won't spend that much time on the others or we'll be here until the beginning of the next service. Uh, Second one, which I'm going to do really quickly because I think in a few weeks' time this is going to be picked up on in a lot more detail, but a healthy church shares together. You say share. Okay, everyone's still awake. Good. They committed themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. I don't know what you think of when you hear the word fellowship, but I imagine you might think of things like teas and coffees or spending time in one another's houses. Now, Okay, that's part of fellowship, but the word is so much more radical. I'm going to have to resist the temptation of going into too much depth here because I think Toppy in a few weeks is going to be preaching about a passage that's uh, speaking of fellowship in this way, but fellowship is the idea of sharing. Let's look at verses 44 to 45 really quickly. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. That's what fellowship looks like. It looks like sharing. Sharing our lives, they were together. That didn't mean that they were literally all living in the same house, but they had to be together enough regu- regularly enough for Luke to say they were together. They shared their lives and they shared their possessions. And that's a challenge in a society where we want our own personal space and we like having our own stuff. To remember that fellowship means sharing. It means saying, what I have is yours and what you have is mine. I mean, that's what you say in, in marriage vows in a, very, in a much more in-depth way. But in a larger way, that is true of Christians. Where we say, what's yours is mine. I'm, 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 I'm going to share my life with you. So can I encourage us? We're going to look at that in a few more weeks. I'm going to move on. Let's share life with one another. Let's give ourselves to opening our homes, having one another around. Let's have our ears, ears to the ground. Who's in need? Who needs... Who's in financial need at the moment? Who, who might need something that I have that I don't really use, to be honest, anymore? Let's have our ears to the ground listening to that. And that fits a little bit with the third habit we're going to quickly look at, and then we're going to spend a bit more time on the final one. A healthy church eats together. Okay, so eat. eat. Okay, there's an enthusiasm for that, and that's a weird one to talk about at the beginning of a week of prayer and fasting. But they committed themselves to the breaking of bread. Now, this most likely means that they ate a lot together. In fact, you can see that, verse 46. Breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. They ate together a lot. This wasn't just the occasional meal once a month. They ate together loads. And they probably would have taken communion as part of that as well. It seems like in the early church, communion was quite a substantial meal, probably not a wafer and a little bit of juice. Now, we obviously do that for particular reasons, but... Wouldn't it be wonderful in life groups to be able to take communion as part of a meal? Just say, look, we've got some bread, we've got some wine, let's let's break bread together. Let's remember the death of Christ for us. Eating together as Christians is, is really, really spiritual. Did you know that? Eating together is a spiritual thing. It's not just a nice, enjoyable thing to do. What did what did Jesus leave us with to remember him? What activity did he give us? He gave us a meal. You, look, you read through the Bible, if you read through the Bible and you think, I'm going to be on the lookout for meals, you will find them everywhere. When we're talking about new creation, God's new world, how is it pictured? Let's listen to Isaiah 25. This is wonderful. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine and of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. Any wine lovers who are thinking, I like the sound of that meals are a huge part of what it means uh, to be followers of Jesus because part of what it's doing is pointing to the gospel. 
Part of what eating together does is point to the fact that we accept one another. And that's what Jesus has done in the gospel. He has accepted and welcomed us. So when we're eating together, we're demonstrating that reality. When we're eating together, we're pointing forward to the fact that one day we're going to eat together with Christ and with all other believers in a brand new creation. So again, as with fellowship, let's give ourselves to that. Let's, why don't we eat together in our life groups? We, that's what we do every week. We... Um, doesn't have to be particularly fancy. We pop jacket potatoes in the oven. Anyone who's been in our life group, it's a kind of a running joke that you basically, like, no one, no one has seemed to got sick, got sick of jacket potatoes for like, we did it for like a year on end at one point. Different people bring different toppings, but we get to eat together. And it's such a wonderful experience. Can I encourage us? Let's give ourselves to that. Particularly in a, a time where restrictions are opening a bit more. Obviously, you have to figure out what you're able to do in terms of your own personal health. But within what you're able to do, why don't you give yourself to eating with other Christians in whatever way that looks? And then finally, a healthy church prays together. This is what we're going to finish with. They committed themselves to the prayers. Verse 42. They committed themselves to the prayers. Now this would have been much bigger than just asking God for a few things. Prayer, giving, giving yourself to the prayers, giving yourself to prayer would have involved things like worship. So what we think of as worship when singing together, would have, that's prayer in part. You're, you're thanking God, you're praising God for what he's done. It would have involved asking God for things. It would have involved singing. It probably would have involved reading the Lord's Prayer and, or reciting it probably. They would have known it off by heart. And we've got the opportunity this week particularly to give ourselves to prayer. And I want to encourage us, I want to encourage myself because prayer is an area of my life where I just, I mean, I don't know if any, maybe some Christians feel like they're like, yeah, I feel like a prayer warrior. But I imagine most Christians probably think my prayer life could really do with some work. I don't know if you ever arrive, but I definitely feel like that. And so I want to take this week, particularly as we're looking at praying and fasting together to give myself to prayer. Can I encourage you? Give yourself this week to prayer. That can look like lots of different things. We've organized a few, not many, but a few to make it manageable, a few meetings together where we can pray. Why don't you see if you can make those? Why don't you see if, there's, if you can move around certain things in your diary even to, get, to come together so we can pray, so we can give ourselves to asking God for things? Why don't you set aside some time that you might not usually set aside this week to give yourself to praying on your own or with other believers? In life groups, let's, let's make sure we're giving time to pray this week. If you're a life group leader, don't just go with the, the plan necessarily this week. Maybe you want to give a good amount of time that evening to pray together. And fasting as well. doesn't mention it explicitly here, but fasting is something that Jesus assumes we're going to do from time to time. And again, I don't know anyone who enjoys fasting. I don't. I mean, some people may do, but I, I love food. Um, I enjoy food and having just spoken about the fact that eating together is a spiritual thing it now feels weird to say let's go without food this week but there's something about fasting where what you're doing is you're getting the big guns out you're saying right now we're in for some serious prayer and can I encourage you if you've never fasted why don't you give it a go why don't you give even if it's if you're thinking whoa I've never gone without food ever why don't you try skipping a meal why don't you try why don't you try tomorrow try and skip a meal See how you feel and see maybe, there, maybe there's some other days where you can do that. It may be that for medical reasons you can't skip a meal. Think, is there something food-wise, food-related that I can give up as a way of demonstrating my desperation to God? 
It may be that for some of us, it's fasting for multiple days, maybe even for the whole week. But why don't we give ourselves to this? Not as a way of saying, God, look at how great I am, but as a way of saying, God, we're desperate. We need you. That's like that song was saying, we are desperate for you. We need you. And that's what we're saying as we pray and as we fast this week. We're saying we're desperate for you to move to the point where we care more about this, what you are going to do, God, than we do about our food. So can I encourage us? Let's give ourselves to that. And very practically, I mean, one of the things I struggle with when it comes to prayer is just finding the words to say, um, which is encouraging because Romans 8 tells us as well. So we do not know what, how to pray as we ought. So it's encouraging to know that the scriptures say that's fine. If you don't know what words to say, most people struggle with that. But this passage is really helpful because did you notice it doesn't say they gave themselves to prayer. It says they gave themselves to the prayers. And the, because it says that, that suggests that what they're actually giving themselves to are certain kinds of prayer. So they may well have gathered together. They may well have prayed the Lord's Prayer. They may have prayed through some of the Psalms. And if you struggle, as I do, to find the words when you're praying... Well, one of the amazing things you can do is if you've got the gift of tongues, you can use the gift of tongues because actually that's one of the wonderful ways of expressing our heart to God when the words are, fa- are failing. But another way that I found really, really helpful in my own prayer life is actually by praying pre-written prayers and it's usually by going to the Psalms, for example. So I might just pick up Psalm 23 or Psalm 19 like I did this morning whilst praying for this and saying, look, it says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. And I'm praying that, I'm saying, God, would you speak to us? through the scriptures today. I'm using it almost as a a springboard to help me to pray. And you might find that helpful because that seems like that's what the early church did, that they prayed particular prayers. Being spontaneous doesn't necessarily mean being more spiritual. It could just be spontaneous. Now, it could be that the Holy Spirit is guiding you in that moment to do a particular thing and that's the spiritual thing. But we have to be wary that we don't think, well, if I don't actually come up with the words immediately, I'm not being spiritual. There's a whole book of prayer in this book, in in the scriptures, that I think is there to help us how to pray. If you're thinking, I cannot think of a single thing to pray for, open the Bible, pick a psalm, start praying through that. And before you know it, you'll have prayed for a whole hour without even realizing it. It's wonderful. So let's engage with that this week. But I've already gone over, so I'm going to wrap up with, with this now. We need to ask ourselves, how is this possible? Four habits. So some of you might be thinking, oh great, four things I need to do now. As we're drawing to a close, we need to remember something happened before this passage. This isn't just an isolated passage. Something happened before this passage. And what happened before this passage is the Holy Spirit was given to the church. If I was to stand here today and say, guys, let's give ourselves to reading the scriptures. Let's give ourselves to sharing and eating together. And let's give ourselves to prayer. And the Holy Spirit had not been poured out. It would be pointless. It really would be. Reading the Bible would be, I don't know, it would be dry. Sharing with one another, that would be driven by guilt. But I suppose I'd better do it. The Bible tells me to. Eating together would just be a fun thing to do. And prayer would be like wading through treacle. This isn't a description of what the early church did in order to gain favour with God. This is a description of what the early church was like because the Holy Spirit had been poured out. The gospel, Jesus dying, rising from the dead, ascending and pouring out the Holy Spirit, that's part of the message of the gospel, transforms us. So that we go from not following God to going, I want to live that kind of life. 
There's any, if any of you today are thinking, I want that. I want that devotion to the scriptures. I want that devotion to prayer. I want that devotion to sharing and fellowship. And I struggle with it, but I want it. That's the Holy Spirit. It's wonderful. The Holy Spirit produces a desire to grow and the Holy Spirit enables us to grow. And so what I'm going to do in a minute, because I'm aware that we won't always feel like that, is I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit would give us a desire to grow in this. Because look at what happens in a church that is filled with the Holy Spirit and that is devoted to these things. Verse 43 says, Awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. That's the kind of thing that happens in a church that is filled with the Spirit. Verse 47, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. God saves people. When a church is filled with the Spirit and is devoting themselves to these things, God saves people. People get rescued. People who didn't know God and didn't want anything to do with God suddenly turn to Jesus and say, I want to follow him. That's what we want. Isn't that what you want? Of course we do. So we're going to... We're going to end now but the way we're going to end is I'm going to pray for us so why don't we stand just maybe just to help us kind of in focus our minds and I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit would instill a, a passion to grow in these habits to grow in these things and that we would see these kind of things happen so Father I thank you for the word of God I thank you for the word that you inspired I thank you Jesus that you have ascended to the Father and have poured out your Holy Spirit and Father, I thank you that a spirit-filled church looks like, uh, in, amongst other things, looks like these four habits. And Father, we, we do, we, we, we just want to say we are willing, we want to grow, we want to be a church that is healthy. Lord, we thank you for the, the, the health that is present in this church already. Lord, we thank you, we, we give thanks for that. But Lord, we want to grow in everything that you've got for us. And so Father, I pray that even as I have been speaking, even as the word has been proclaimed, that you would be at work in our hearts, that you'd be motivating us, giving us a desire for these things, giving us a desire to be people of the word, people of prayer, people of, who share, people who eat together, and many other things, Lord God. We pray, Holy Spirit, would you instill a desire in our hearts to grow in this so that Jesus would be glorified, so that we would have the greatest joy we could possibly get and so that people would be saved and rescued and added into your church. We pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.